Broadcasting by the sea in sunny San Diego, this is the Ascended Masters at Work show, where we lift the veil of mysticism and reveal ancient secrets brought to earth by the world's greatest spiritual teachers. Here we share real-life stories that change lives and widen our eyes. And now, here is your host and spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. So good afternoon, everyone. Here we are in San Diego, and it's another gorgeous, gorgeous day. Oh, I love it here so much, and I actually took a walk on the beach this morning. It was just phenomenal. And I am really excited about our guest today. I just have so much respect for him, and I had an opportunity to meet him and his beautiful daughter, Alana, when we they were here in this area. Actually, they were in L.A., and I drove up, and we had such a nice connection, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought I'd have this gentleman on the show so all of you can get to know him. And, you know, he's really, really amazing. He speaks all over the world, and I aspire to do exactly what he's doing. I don't know if I can get that far, but, boy, I have a lot of faith. And he works with human behavior, which is really interesting. And I want to talk to him today about entrepreneurs and their human behavior, because I've been working on my book, um, Selling Through Your Heart, and I want to ask him a couple of questions because I know that he has so many words of wisdom and he does so much research and he's been reading and writing and traveling and speaking almost his entire life and he has an awesome institute and I'll tell you, it's called the Demartini Institute. And so let's welcome Dr. John Demartini onto the show. Are you there, Dr. Demartini? I am, I am. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here, and I want you to really share with our listeners, because so many of them are entrepreneurs, you know, when we have to get on stage, we have so much fear, and I was wondering, you know, you work with breakthrough and how to get people to break through so that they don't have these fears. What, what is it you do for that situation? What do I do to help people break through fears? Yes, like getting on stage. Uh, speaking as a, like a professional speaking position? Yes. Uh, well, one thing that I've learned is that the average individual who may have a fear of speaking in front of an audience uh, usually doesn't have a fear of speaking one-on-one. So it's not a fear of speaking. So I, I like to make that clear because people think, well, I have a fear of speaking public speaking, but the real truth is they don't have a fear of speaking. They do that daily. What they have, what they have the fear of is a fear of speaking in front of people who they perceive uh, more advanced than themselves. Now, let me give an example. If you're standing up and you're speaking to a group of kindergartners and you're going to speak on um, mathematics, on how to do your, your, your counting from one to, to a hundred, and your, your addition and subtraction, multiplication, division, and you're speaking to kindergartners and first graders, and you're teaching them how to do it, you probably wouldn't have a fear of speaking. No, but I don't think so. If, no, but if you, had a, uh, if you were speaking in front of Albert Einstein, um, Sir Isaac Newton, and you were speaking to the top mathematicians in the world, 
and you were having to do the, the multiplication tables, etc., you'd probably have a fear of speaking. So the moment you feel too humble to admit what you, what the, the person that you're speaking in front of has that you don't, uh, the moment you begin fear. So the fear is a result of subordinating to people who you perceive having something you don't, either greater intelligence and more knowledge about the field you're speaking about, greater success and achievement in that area, greater wealth than you, more stable relationship than you, more social influence than you, more physically fit or healthier than you, or more spiritually aware than you, the moment you compare yourself to them and assume that what they have is greater than what you have, you will now have a fear of speaking. But the moment you believe you have something to say that's more advanced and more knowledgeable and more skilled and more empowered than what they have, you, you just speak. So the fear of speaking is not the fear of speaking. The fear of speaking is the fear of speaking in front of somebody you perceive that they have something that you don't. More knowledge and more power, more influence than you. So once you go in there and you see that fear, I immediately identify who in the room it is because it's not everybody in the room. I get to see anybody who's frightened of everybody in the room. They're only frightened of the people they perceive as having something they don't. Once we do is we stand up there and we look out in the audience and identify who they are and then ask what specifically do we perceive them having that we don't. And then where and when do we display or demonstrate that same trait or behavior inside ourselves? Once we identify where we have that to the same degree as we see in them, we have no fear of speaking. We can speak fluently. So fear of speaking is not fear of speaking. It's the fear of speaking in front of somebody you think has something you don't. And once you own it, you no longer sit in their shadow. You stand on their shoulders and you speak clearly. So even if it's a huge group of people, then they can manage to overcome that fear just with this concept. Is that what you're saying? Yes, because it's not. you're not frightened of the big group. You're frightened of individuals in there. I, I've had people who've had the so-called fear of speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And they can ramble on nonstop. And, and then all of a sudden they stand up in front of a group of people. And now they freeze. They can talk for hours nonstop one-on-one or a small group. The second they go out there, and so what I did, I had this one woman, I gave an example, this one woman who, who believed she had a fear of speaking, and I said, all right, let's look at the audience, and let's scan the audience and find out, and let's put our eye looking through our own finger in a circle, and let's look at that one individual. Do you have a fear of speaking to that individual? No. What about that individual? No. About that individual? No. That individual? Yes. What specifically is it about that person you think that they have that you don't? I think they have more education, more knowledge, more skilled. They look more successful. They look more uh, business savvy than myself. I said, now that you look through the room, those five people ahead of them, you didn't have a fear of speaking in front of them because you didn't perceive them as having something you don't. The second you look at that one lady that you think is more intelligent and more successful as an entrepreneur, you froze. She goes, wow, I didn't notice that until you just brought that to my attention. I said, now let's scan the room and look at who it is. It rarely is a large number of people. It's a handful of people you out there you're looking, or it's the people you perceive are out there. So the second, if somebody comes and tells you that everybody out there, none of them have any business, none of them have any money, none of them have any education, your perception of that you're them change and you can speak. But the second you perceive that they're highly educated or highly successful or whatever, 
you'll freeze and off you go with the fear of speaking again. Mm, that's really interesting. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I'm going to parlay that into a video that I just received from you. You know, you send out those little video tips on intimidation. And I listened to that twice. And it kind of goes down this same rule of thought, doesn't it? Yeah, anytime you, you subordinate to somebody you think has something you don't, you're, you're going to play small. You're going to minimize yourself to them. And you, see, you can't have a fear of speaking as long as you're focused on, your, on the people that you're speaking to and the message that you're sharing. You only can have a fear when you're thinking about you relative to them. So the second you're now you're looking at them and then comparing yourself to them, off you're in fear and you forgot your message. But if you focus on your message... And not on the people, but the message for the people. And then you imagine yourself having whatever you see in them. You don't have a fear of speaking. You're focused on the message, serving. Hmm. And that's such a great message that you just delivered because I have so many entrepreneurs that actually step on the stage that I, they go through my training. You know that. And then they become or or they get on the camera and, and they get on the TV set and then they're terrified. And so you just gave me some really good knowledge that I can share with them to maybe get them past that much yeah, more quickly. If you're, if, if you're on a TV show and you're assuming it, it's not the volume, I, I, I found that it's not the volume. I mean, you're speaking to 10,000 people, a million people on a TV show or a quarter of a million people uh, or a quarter of a billion people. On a show, as long as you perceive them as if you imagine you're speaking to elementary school kids and you have a, a doctorate degree, you know, and you're highly intelligent about what you're speaking about and you're keeping to your core competence, you're not going to have a fear of speaking. But you're going to have a fear of speaking once you get outside your core competence, which is foolish. And the second you compare yourself to them and think they have something you don't, because mm -hmm. then you're going to question your own authority. And uh, the moment you subordinate to somebody else and you now inject their values into your life instead of project uh, your message onto the world, you're going to automatically have the fear. I don't, I don't have the fear of speaking. I have the fear of not speaking. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you're so eloquent when you do speak. <laughs> so, um, Dr. Martini, let me ask you, with regard to business mastery, with regard to entrepreneurs, there's so many of them that are struggling. They don't seem to have a blueprint. And that's a big part of what my book is about is the blueprint that they can follow to get them where they want to go. And they leave so many pieces out. And I see them all the time sitting in different seminars and picking up a little bit of something here and a little bit of something there. How is it possible to get the big message out that there's more than just that specific seminar? Because they go back and they try it and then they lose so much money and so much time. Well, Jim Collins in, in some of his books said something really important that many people are looking for immediately gratifying uh, magic bullet that's going to make them successful. And I, I find that that's uh, not usually the case. What is usually the case is a small, incremental, step-by-step uh, -step tinkering with a great product, service, or idea that truly meets needs and services of people. So what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they come out there with a neat idea that they think, oh, this is everybody needs this. And they make an assumption and projection of what they think people need onto the world. Salespeople do the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the number one things that undermines sales is the assumption projection that you're assuming what people need and you're projecting that need onto them instead of actually finding out what they really need. Exactly. If you find a real need in society, uh, you have a demand for your supply. If you don't, you have a supply without a demand. And that's, that's hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a supply of, of products without a demand is hell. And, as, and a demand without uh, a supply is invigorating. <laughs> You can get the supply. <laughs> so so uh, the key is to making sure that you don't make assumptions and you really ask questions about the market, find out what they really need. Don't make assumptions about, you know, I, if I, I've had seminars that I've been, I've been doing seminars, as you know, for a long time now, for over yeah. four decades. Mm-hmm. And, and um, when I hit a, and nail a seminar and meet a need, I got a demand. They just mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I'm I'm trying to sell it all the time. And so, right. I, you know, sometimes I hit it, sometimes I miss it. But if I really find out what the market is meeting and I meet that, there's a demand and it, you're an entrepreneur can take off. But, uh, you know, Facebook, there was a demand for it. So now he's a billionaire because he, he found something that people really, really wanted. Microsoft Word didn't want to have to open up a close of a software program and then open up another one. He wanted to be able to go from one to the other fluently, and then that allowed that saved enormous amounts of time, and people on a computer didn't want to lose time, and so that's why he became a billionaire. So, and and now with Apple, look at Apple; they they keep coming up with innovative, most creative stuff with technology that people want that makes their life easier, and so there there's a big demand. So a lot of entrepreneurs are going out there with with fantasy ideas about what the market needs, and then assuming what it is, and then projecting that on there, and, and then wondering what's wrong, why is it so difficult, and they're not meeting a real need. Exactly, and it's what they want. It's it. They bring a lifetime something along with them, I've noticed, and then it's what they want to share, and so many of my, my clients, I tell them, you have to go out and talk to the target market that you want to work with, otherwise we can't figure out what kind of programs to develop for you. Well, and the then thing you is, got- yeah, exactly. I, I have publicists. Well, I, I had a publicist in South Africa who went on to each magazine in all the magazines because they have in the magazine department or the departments of the magazine, they have, you know, research teams that are out there trying to find out what the market needs. And so I went on the, the entrepreneurial magazines and I looked at what were the topics that were most commonly discussed and most well read. And, uh, you know, you can go on now, you can go on to Google search and find out what are people looking for. And that gives you some indication of what the world's wanting. Yes. What they're looking up. Mm-hmm. So I would go and do the things and then I would design a topic, a presentation, an evening presentation around the topics that were most commonly found on the entrepreneurial magazines around the world. And then when I did that, I had larger audiences attending because it was matching the topical needs of the market. So, so that, a little market research can pay off. And then the next thing is when you're actually trying to sell the item, you have to make sure you listen. Uh, it's asking questions because to sell is not to tell. It's to ask questions and make sure you're asking questions to people. Because if you ask questions, they'll talk you into their own sale. But if you keep talking, you'll interfere with their sale. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And, that you know, there's also uh, online now they have a new 
or I don't think it's so new, it's new to me, but it's a program that actually goes out and searches your topic so you can you can see what they're saying. So like if you if you want to search the topic of entrepreneurs, then it comes back with all these programs all over the world that have been addressed on the web since in that day. You can get it every day or every week, whatever you want to do. And I've found that to be amazing because then you can really stay on top of it and stay focused in where everybody else is going. And like you said, then you can go ahead and do a presentation that they want. I, 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 I got to share the story. I, I was in Sydney, Australia in a, I guess you could say a theater, and I was doing a multi-speaker event. And there was a gentleman there who was an expert on uh, internet marketing. And he was sitting there casually. There was another speaker on stage, and it was before me, and he was going to be after me, this guy. And uh, he was on his computer, and he did a search. And I watched him for 45 minutes do this entire thing. He went online and he did some sort of Google search to find out what the greatest uh, clicks are going on right now. What are people doing? You know, what are people wanting and needing right now? And he, was, he knows exactly how to locate it. As he did that, um, he then went online to find out who is providing, who are the cutting edge greatest providers of services to that need. And he did another search. He found them. He then had a form letter that he kind of tweaked to match that niche and he sent it off to uh, the top five uh, providers of services that everybody was clicking and searching for. And he asked if, if he was to send traffic to them, would they give him a percentage? In other words, you know, based on their, their client, uh, you know, uh, acquisition cost, what exactly would they give him? And it was ranging between 15 and 30%. So these people were willing to give him 25% of whatever was sold for them to drive traffic there. So he set up some sort of, you know, payment system gateway, mm -hmm. and he basically structured it where he started driving it. And I watched in 45 minutes from scratch, I watched him click money into his bank account. <laughs> and, you I know, um, I have to tell you, that's exactly what my son does. Exactly yeah. what my son does, and he has like 45 people now that work for him that do just exactly that. That's it, and he just found out what the people needed. Mm -hmm. He found out who provided it. He was a broker, in a sense, a mediator, driving traffic, and he was collecting 25%. Mm -hmm. And money was going into his account in 45 minutes. <laughs> I, I know. I watch it happen. I, so, I know so, exactly what you're saying. <laughs> so he was an entrepreneur. Now, this guy is known for sitting in his underwear at his computer during the day and doing, you know, maybe 10 of these, finding 10 needs, filling 10 needs and doing this and clicking money into his bank account. Now, this guy made $24 million in one year doing mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. $24 million selling stuff. So it was a very efficient uh, system. Of course, now he spent 30 years of his life doing computer stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a, not a computer nerd. This guy was a computer nerd, but mm -hmm. whatever it is, I have another friend, Mark Ostrowski, who's got a, a program called Get Rich Click. And uh, he also does something on these lines. But what the, my point of all this is he goes and finds a need 
instead of just projects assumptions onto the marketplace. This is one of the most important components before you go out. If you can find something you can't wait to get up in the morning and do that you're inspired by, which is something that inspires you, and if you can find out what people want and find out where they overlap and where you can't wait to do it and they can't wait to get it, you're going to go farther than any other way. So is that how you're doing all your talks now? You're having somebody do research for you like that? Yeah, I, some of them I hit and miss more effectively than others, but we, we attempt to get research on what people want. Mm-hmm. And some of them we hit more effectively than others. And then we, we put a, an ad out there. And by the time the ad is out, sometimes the market's shifted and that affects us. But overall, we're looking for what most people are, are striving for. And that allows us to meet needs consistently. Awesome. And see, you are the epitome of an entrepreneur. <laughs> You're just amazing as an entrepreneur. And well, you know, you know Shalene, I, 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 I'm going to humble myself on that. I'm, I'm really, uh, I like to research, write, travel, teach. Mm-hmm. And then I've got people around me that do the rest. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not good outside the four things that I do. And my core competence is learning and sharing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And outside that, I'm, I'm kind of a klutz. So I don't want to classify myself as this great entrepreneur. I, I'm just, I, other than I'm, I'm good at maybe putting some people around me to help me. Because I'm, I'm basically not very good at a lot of stuff. <laughs> so when you first started, Dr. Martini, how did you do that? How did you, how were you able to put it all together? Um, and, and maybe you might want to give our listeners a an idea of your background, because I think that's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, we have Maui in common because I lived over there for five years also. So um, share a little bit about um, your background. And then if you would, how did you parlay in or get to that next level where, you know, you don't quite have enough money to hire a lot of people. And yet you really want to work this business and make it happen. What, how do you get over that hump? So that's really two questions. Well, I, I, you know, my my journey is I'm an old surf buff that uh, nearly died, met an amazing teacher, Paul Bragg, inspired me to want to be a teacher, learn, overcome my learning problems and become a teacher. And I just never stopped wanting to learn. And I, I just keep wanting to share uh, what what I've learned and also what people are interested. I mean, cause if I don't have anybody interested, I don't have much of a, t- a seminar. When I stand in front of the mirror and do a seminar and there's nobody else in the audience, I'm not great at it. But, but what, I, what, I did, what I did is I started my practice. When I actually, I started teaching. I, I first got paid at age 23. I did a little tutoring before that, and I made you know tutoring money. But I really didn't start professional speaking until 23. At age 18 to 23, I just tutored. And some of it I did for free because anybody would listen to me. I was ex- I was excited to see them more than they were to see me. And and um, so I started tutoring then and I started I, I put a love bowl out, you know, like at a church almost. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, a little love donation thing. Well, nobody loved me, of course. And I didn't make <laughs> any money that way. So I, I decided that I better put a, a dollar fee on it. And I said minimum love donation five, then minimum love donation 10, then minimum love donation 20. And finally, I got so uh, frustrated that I said minimum fee, 20 bucks. And then I realized because I was having, you know, people come. I just wasn't getting paid to do it. And finally, I said 20 bucks. And the moment I did, I got paid. 
And I, re- I learned a really powerful lesson that until I valued me, don't expect the world to. Mm-hmm. That was a major breakthrough for me because I finally valued me. Uh, I got peed off enough to finally say, damn it, I'm worth something. And the moment I did, they paid. And then, of course, I've raised my fees since then. And um, <laughs> I, I just kept doing it. I didn't stop. And I, I, I kept doing that. And I kept finding out what people are interested in most. And I got a little questionnaire or survey. I still use those today. You know, if there's, if there's any topic that you want us to research and present to you, please send it. Let it go. You know, we get that at the end of the talks. And that gives me some guidelines of what are most people are interested in at the time. And the second I hit something that people are interested in, I got a market. And then what I did is I learned how to delegate uh, at age 27, 28, actually, uh, by reading a book by Alec McKenzie, The Time Trap. Because I really was in my way. I was doing everything and I was not getting as much done. So I had to learn to surround myself with people that could do things that I, one, didn't want to do. And two, it wasn't wise for me to do. And it was wise for me to go out and do what I did best. And I eventually realized that the wisest thing for me to do is research, write, travel, teach. Those are the ones that inspired me most that seemed to get the most income and, uh, and then surround myself with other people to do the rest of it. And, and it was a slow process. And, and if you hire somebody that really is capable of doing it better than you, you usually get an advancement. You don't cost you money. I mean, the real risk is only really a month's worth of, of risk because the, the worst thing can happen in the end of a month. You'll find out if they can produce for you. If they produce for you, then you're, you're ahead. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, you somehow didn't get somebody that was more skilled than you. And that knew their business. But if you if you tackle and bring in somebody that knows what they're doing, then you usually move forward. And so it doesn't cost really to delegate properly. It's only cost when you surround yourself with people that are incompetent to make you feel good thinking you know what more than they do. Mm. Okay. So you're saying they could start small just like you did and just say, hey, it's going to be $20 for you to be here. And I'm going to share all this great information with you, right? Well, I'm doing I'm doing a talk in a couple hours at a Unity Church here in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, I've known that church for many many years, and I've I've been I'm speaking there for forty years, <laughs> and uh, I and and they're going to charge I think probably twenty five dollars in advance and thirty five at the door or something like that. So even though I used to charge twenty dollars in nineteen eighties uh, for a little event, they still do that at some churches I speak at. And, uh, you know, they'll put an audience in there and I'll come in, I'll do my presentation and let people know about what I'm doing and sell some books and, you know, products and things and upsell seminars and do what I do. And and so anytime you have the opportunity to speak, as long as you do something that inspires people, you usually develop a network of other people that want to help. And if you really make a difference in their life, they help you and they usually open up new networks. And I started out just doing, you know, anybody... Well, the old proverb that comes from, I think, the Christian faith that was uh, any time two or more gathered, I, I share. <laughs> so I would do, I, I, I did restaurant seminars, bathroom seminars, anybody that was people, you know, airplane seminars where they couldn't get away from me. I, I would speak to start. You know, some people may not like it, but a few enough do to keep me going. And that's the way it's been. Yeah. I know. Well, you do some marvelous work. So uh, if you want to ask Dr. John D. Martini a question, you can always call in at 888-627-6008. 
888-627-6008. We'd love to have your questions. And we're going to cut away for a commercial for just a second, and we'll be right back with some other great information. See you in a minute. Hi, I'm Shirlene Reeves with Maximize Your Wealth Now with a new tip on how to maximize your wealth. What if you could compel your clients rather than selling them so that they would work with you? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't it be easier to have more income? I talk to entrepreneur after entrepreneur, and they're running from networking group to networking group, and they're so tired. And the reason they're tired is because they're not making any money, and they don't know how to work with their perfect clients. What if I said to you, compel, don't sell, and I could give you the tips for how to do that. I'm tearing back the curtain, and I'm going to show you how I built my business from zero to multi-millions, and I want you to make multi-millions too. So check it out on my website, MaximizeYourWealthNow.com, and get signed up for the next class. I promise you, I guarantee you, you won't be sorry. I invested in Shirlene's uh, Compelled to Sell sales training program, and I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work with. I came in wanting to know how to get more people I could talk to. And I also learned some things I didn't know that I didn't know. And now I know. At least I have a good idea. The reason I took this course was because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not experienced before. That's why I took the class, is I wanted to sort of up-level my sales skills. And thank you, Shirlene, for this amazing class. In 10 weeks, eight Compel Don't Sell students made a total of $301,000. Isn't it time to make a compelling difference in your income? If you answered yes, call 1-888-889-9212. That's 1-888-889-9212 to register for the next Compel Don't Sell course and learn the art of selling with heart. Discover the secrets to the three-step sales waltz. Learn how to open a sales conversation and ask for the sale authentically in your own words. Dial to reserve your seat today. Dial 888-889-9212. Dr. John Demartini, and he's been imparting his words of wisdom. And we have a caller, and it's Dr. J.J. Sawyer on line one. So, J.J., are you there? I sure am. Can you hear me? We hear you perfectly. So, ask your question. Well, first of all, I'm so happy I got on this call. 
and Dr. John. Woo! I would love to be in a room face-to-face talking to you. So much information, and I had a, a question, but you have really answered that question through uh, your discussion. But what it was is I am um, I have a doctorate in, in educational leadership, and I've been working with leaders uh, for the last 12 years in the education world. And the one thing you talked about is you need to see what their need is and then meet that need. And one of the things that I've noticed is people go to conferences, but they pick up little tiny pieces and then they don't ever apply it. And so I want to be a coach to help people apply the knowledge around leadership behaviors. So what I want to do is ask you a question, and I think you answered it, but what's the best way to approach like CEOs and business leaders for leadership development? Because this leadership work is for all leaders. You're saying well, how to approach them or how to communicate with them? Approach. Well, I um, can I can I share a story before I kind of answer that, that that might lead to an answer? Well, yes, please. I had a friend that I met um, and became a friend in Gold Coast of Australia named Desmond Brooks. And Desmond Brooks is an architect extraordinaire. He's the one that developed the Bellagio for Steve Wynn in Las Vegas. He developed Ralph Lauren's Palace, uh, Johnny Versace's Hotel. Uh, he's, he's a very amazing architect. In fact, his card is like on the Sistine Chapel where God's reaching out and touching the hand of man, reaching across and touching the fingertip of man. That's his card. He has that as his car with his hand being reached. And, and, and he wanted to uh, meet with the head of Disney, Iser at a time, and he didn't know how to do that. And he kept getting through, you know, the gatekeeper kept blocking him. So what he did is he decided to dress up as Mickey Mouse and walk in the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, he somehow got a Mickey Mouse outfit and walked directly into his office as if he owned the place and took <laughs> off his outfit and brought such a laughter to him. And he, he made a meeting with him. That was one way he got in. Wow. And then he went out to Ralph Lauren. He wanted to, he wanted to build something for Ralph Lauren. And, uh, so he contacted Ralph Lauren and asked if he could take five minutes of his time to talk about uh, an architectural um, visual odyssey experience that could help him and his company sell more clothes. And, and so, because it would be inspiring to him by the, by the setting he's living in and in doing his inspired work in. So he got a five minute meeting with him and he asked Ralph Lauren to close his eyes. And Ralph Lauren just closed his eyes. He says, I just need five minutes of you. And then he took him on a visual experience, a visual meditation experience, a visual odyssey, and outlined every detail of a palace that he wanted to build for Ralph Lauren. Now, this was a a masterpiece of of a thing he wanted to build. And so he took him through the front entrance, let him feel the stonework, the wood, the marble, the chandeliers, everything. He took him through the entire place. And instead of it being five minutes, it was an hour and a half visual experience through every room of this palace that he took him through. And he didn't want to stop the meditation because it was such an amazing experience. 
at the end of it, he got a $95 million commitment to build that, whatever he took him through. Mm. Now, what, he did this for Versace. He did this for Steve Wynn. He did it to anybody. He, he wanted five minutes. And what he did is he took him on a visual experience that was inspiring to them. This was his skill. Now, in order to get into people that are movers and shakers, they got busy schedules. And they are not, every decision they make is going to be based on what they think is going to give them the greatest advantage or disadvantage to whatever they value most at that moment. If you don't do research and find out what they value most, and you don't present something that's more valuable than anybody else is competing for that time, they're going to say no every time. So you have to think out and care enough about the CEO to know how important they are and how valuable their time is, and to make sure that whatever you deliver in that time is more valuable than the options they have in that time. Well, I learned from Donald Trump, and I know that's that's a funny name to mention today, but I actually was in his office um, a number of years back, and he had a 15-minute gold, as you would expect, uh, sand glass, 15-minute sand glass. And when somebody would come into his office, he would turn it over and said, you got 15 minutes with me. I don't have an hour. And if you haven't presented yourself in such a way to close the deal in 15 minutes, I don't do business with you, go. And uh, if somebody knew what they were doing and he was, they were able to present in something that was valuable to them, he would listen and he would take the time and, and uh, possibly do business with them. But if they couldn't, if they weren't organized and weren't prepared and wasn't, and wasn't meeting the needs of the person and providing a better service than anybody else for the best price, he wasn't interested. So if you care about the CEO, you do research on them and find out. I have a lady named Barbara who I was with just recently who had a goal to consult for 100 CEOs, the Fortune 100 CEOs of Australia. Three years later, 37 of those, or maybe 39, I think it's 37, of those CEOs were clients of hers. But she did an extensive amount of research on what their what their life was, what their needs were, what the company's needs were, and before she presented, she did amazing amount of background uh, research before she actually approached them. Respect their time, try to meet their needs more effective than somebody else, and you'll open doors left and right. Did that answer Thank your you. question? Are you going to put a, a Mickey oh, yeah. Mouse suit on? <laughs> Oh, I can be a bunny as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I enjoyed everything that you said, and I took good notes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, JJ. I appreciate it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, Dr. Demartini, you always have some great words to depart on your own. So share with us what's on your mind today. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm joking. You know, what's on my mind is I'm, I'm constantly learning and researching. And right now I happen to be doing a program on, uh, on mathematics. So I'm, I'm reviewing bits and pieces on geometry, actually. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Mm. But I'm, I'm interested in that. Because I, I, I find that studying things that bring abstraction to the mind stretches us. And, and you may think that that's a, an odd thing to do for an entrepreneur, but I find that studying abstractions allow our mind to think transcendentally. And, and, and it, it's necessary to come back practically after a transcendental experience. 
you 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 have a broader kind of a uh, it, it, it like De Bono used to say it, it's a lateral uh, thinking that comes in from an abstraction. So I study things that broaden my thinking and. Studying astronomy and mathematics stretches my mind and makes me think of astronomical views and visions. So when I'm coming back down to Earth, I, I, I see things from a broader perspective, not a narrowed mind. So I find that, that uh, I've said before on many of my talks that, that if you uh, want to make a difference in yourself, you need a vision as big as your family. And you need, a, you need to be able to see the whole family in your mind. If you want to make a difference in your family, you need a vision as big as your community. If you want to make a difference in your community, being a leader in your community, you need a vision as big as your city. If you want to be number one in the city, you need a vision as big as your state. If you want to be number one in the state, you need a vision as big as your, your country. If you want to be number one in the country, you need a global vision. And if you want to be a global visionary, you need an astronomical vision. So abstraction allows me to see a bigger vision, allows me to do um, things from a broader view with less narrowed mind. So tell us, I know, I know the answer to this, but tell our listeners how they can become a part of one of your events or what, you know, how can they get in touch with you? Because I love these little videos you've been sending out. You, they seem to be, I seem to get them just at the right time. And the other day I was sitting when I was watching that video on, on Pacific Beach, I was sitting there having an acai bowl looking out at the ocean and there was your video. So I listened to it, you know, cause I had my headphones on and it, it was the most appropriate video. Um, and I think that the listeners would love to get those videos cause I enjoy them so much. How do they, how do they go about getting them? Is this a webinar you're talking about? Uh, these are just little videos that you send out with messages, and I don't know where they come from. They just sort of land in my phone. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we we've got I've got numbers of things going out, so I I'm not sure which one it is, but but the best way to reach me is simply go online and go to drdmartini.com, just drdmartini.com, and look under either events to see what's going on, or go on to YouTube channel or YouTube, or go on to um, media, because there's just hundreds and hundreds of radio, television, newspaper, magazine articles and video clips and interviews. Uh, and then, of course, our Facebook is constantly loaded with them also. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the easiest way to do it. Now, I'm going to be coming at your way shortly, as you know. I'm coming well, to San Diego here in a few weeks. I know. That's so awesome. That's really exciting. <laughs> I know I haven't been to San Diego in a while to speak, and I, I get to come and speak there, which is very inspiring for me. Yeah. And uh I'll be in LA and San Diego right at the, around the, was it the second or third or first, second, third of August, I think. Great. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to come and say hello. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll have to catch up again. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be really awesome. And so are are you expecting a big crowd there or are you? I I um, don't know. We haven't been to San Diego in a while, so I don't know how many people we'll have there. We'll probably have a couple hundred people there. It's a small group, but it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be we'll we'll have an evening of inspiration and education, and um, and, and some fun too, and some entertainment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but what all I know is that uh, you know I, I haven't been to San Diego in a while, and I've been looking forward to it. I'm gonna we're gonna come down from Los Angeles and come down and I'm gonna catch up with some friends, and we're gonna do an evening talk there, and um, just have an absolute inspiring evening. So, other than your mathematics. Have you been out on a camel lately? I haven't. 
<laughs> I, I, I rode a camel a couple of years ago in Tenerife uh, out in the Canary Islands, and I haven't been on a camel in a while. But um, no, I haven't done that. But but I, I you know I get to travel a lot, as you know. But you know, can I? Most of the people that are probably listening are, are entrepreneurs, as you yes. as you you're reaching. Yes. Can I just share a couple of things that that help me uh, in entrepreneur? As yes, an entrepreneur? please do. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's very very significant to really 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 narrow down what it is that you're great at and what you want to be great at. And and. Uh, my, my happens to be research and teaching. I mean, that's my thing. I just, I can't wait to get up in the morning and do that. I love doing that. It's something I just do every day. You want to find that thing. As Gary Keller, who I'm, I'm actually lecturing for his company tomorrow. Gary Keller said, there's one thing. You want to find that one thing that you can't wait to get up in the morning and do that you are great at. So you can be great at it and be a leader at it. And, and finding that and, and looking at what your life demonstrates is really, really important. You know, I talk about values in my book, The Values Factor, and how important it is to find out what is really, really valuable to you. And once you find that out, you know what you're dedicated to. Now you need to find the market. As I said, that's the second step. Find the market that matches and overlaps what you can't wait to deliver. Because when you can't wait to deliver it, you get to tap dance to work, and then it's matching what it is that they can't wait to get. You're unstoppable. You won't be able to stop achieving. Because you, you, you're doing something you're inspired to do and you nobody has to motivate you or remind you to do it. You're intrinsically driven and called to do it. And it matches what people are intrinsically want to buy. And, and taking the time to target that and find that and locate that and define that, um, I think is crucial. That's why on my website, I have the value determination process to help people on that. But that's one side. But the other is meet, making sure you meet the market needs. And the, second, the, the next thing is to make sure that you prioritize your actions and don't do desperate things. Don't do low priority things. Find people to help you that are more skilled around you to do those things that you're not skilled at. So you don't go outside your core competence and then drain yourself with lower priority things that make you not want to go to work. And then you, you drain yourself and you're not inspired. And you know that energy and inspiration and enthusiasm are part of the marketing. Part of the, that's what draws business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have a friend who's in, in um, Sydney, Australia. He is a primo entrepreneur. He's definitely going to be the next billionaire. He's an absolutely amazing entrepreneur. He is focused. He loves what he's doing. And he is constantly on the lookout for what the market is needing. And he's paying attention. He'll walk around restaurants and find out what is the biggest sellers in restaurants, what's common to him. He does market researches constantly. And then he goes and creates the most amazing food. And I'm telling you, in the one year, he did 13 million in one restaurant. 13 million in one restaurant, which is pretty pretty amazing for one restaurant. Yes. And it's because, yeah. because he's found his niche. He knows what he's committed to. And he knows and, and he does the research until he finds out what people want to buy. And then he tests the market and makes sure he really matches the market needs. And then they just, they just they come in flocks to his place. Wow. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing that he, you know, and all of it's around just what you were saying earlier, doing the research and finding out what people want. And that's what makes all the difference in whether your business is going to do well or it isn't. It's just that. Yeah, he, he listens carefully to the customers 
and he has uh, he has people in the restaurant. I was at his restaurant recently, and, and they come around and and how is the food? Is there anything we could have done better? Is there anything we could have refined on it? Is it too salt? Is there anything we can do to make it greater? And he listens and he documents it and he refines it. Mm. I mean, he's just he cares. Caring and, and selling so, are the same thing. So he does his own research then. Is that correct? He, well, he has people. He has a lovely lady that does most of it. But he also goes around and, and he's he's a kind of guy that will will be at that restaurant and meet people and get to know people and find out what their needs are. He cares. Mm-hmm. He cares. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I would love to see entrepreneurs do that kind of thing more and more because there's so many of them that are just spinning their wheels and really, really frustrated. They can't seem to get to that next level. And, and it's important. It's also important to make sure that whatever they earn, a portion of that goes into savings and builds up liquidity. Because a lot of people don't have liquidity and that, that affects their business. Mm-hmm. So no matter how much you earn, take a portion of it, stick it into, uh, take a portion of it and stick it back into the business and return it into the business. Or take a portion of it and make sure it's saved so you have a cash reserve. Look at Apple, $280 billion in liquid cash reserves. Microsoft, $130 billion in cash reserves. Berkshire Hathaway, $100 billion in cash reserves. Hmm. Don't, be, don't be doing it without cash. So take a portion. Because when you manage money wisely, you receive more money to manage. Yeah, and you know, I've noticed that they go, these entrepreneurs, they'll go and they'll get all revved up at a seminar and then they'll plunk down $30,000 without even thinking about it. And next time I talk to them, they're sleeping in their car. So, you know, I just don't understand what they're thinking other than they want it so bad or it's the next shiny object or what is it? What I mean, why? Well, there's no harm in education. Education is powerful if you're going to apply it. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're going and learning education based on what you fantasize instead of what you really value and what the customer values, then you're going to spend money and it's not going to produce. You want to make sure that you're really going to apply it. I've always been fascinated by why people only apply a portion of what they learn, and that's because they don't see how it's going to help them fulfill what they value most and that they're trying to do something that's outside their core competence. And that's usually what, you know, I have a lot of people that love building a business. They want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't want to do 90% of what it takes. And those 90%, that is, if you're not delegating it, you're not going to get off the ground. You got to either surround yourself with people doing the things you're not competent. I have a daughter who's involved in the fashion industry. She is great at socializing. She's great at designing. She's great at art. She's great at people. But she's not great at... <laughs> The, the financial administrative details. So mm-hmm. she's got a person that takes care of that. That's hugely a relief to her to finally put that person in place so she can, because otherwise she bogs down and drains herself trying to do something that's not her skill. Don't do desperate things and don't, uh, you know, try to go outside the core competence. This is where you, this is where you end up getting into a burnout session. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's that's such a great thought. I really appreciate that. That is such a great thought. And I hope those who are listening out there really think about this because education is really important. But you also have to think about whether you're going to have food on your table or not. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah, just you, you, end up in but your. You know what? 
the, the, I always say this. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's gonna offend some people, but it might be wise for them to hear it. I, I was speaking at a church one time, and I and I got the whole room very quiet. I might even say it tonight at the church. Uh, I got really quiet, and people were really kind of like, "Whoa!" I said, "If you're poor, it's because you don't care about humanity." <laughs> mm. That was a real twister to people because if you really care about humanity, you're going to want to meet their needs and fulfill something in their life. Cause you know, we make it, when we make a difference, we feel more fulfilled. And when we care about people, make a difference, we feel fulfilled and we get rewarded. Mm-hmm. But if you're not caring about people to fill their needs, you don't have a source of income. And if you don't have a source of income and you have no savings, you're poor, right? Poor in, yes. in, in finances anyway. So you, you, you have to care about people to find out what they really need. And if you don't have the tools or the skills, then find somebody to help them and broker a deal. And sell somebody who can do it. That's when you really go out and start an entrepreneur business. You care about people. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Demartini. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. As always, you just impart so much wisdom. And we're running short of time. And uh, do you have a, a parting thought you'd like to share with us really quickly? Yeah, I, maybe they can write this down if they're listening. That is... Um, Give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. Don't 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 compare yourself to others. Compare your daily actions to your own dream as an entrepreneur that meets people's needs. And give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. The world is waiting for you to do that. Absolutely. So in other words, their people are waiting for them. There's a, right. there's a market. I guarantee you, whatever they really would love to get to deliver, there is a market for it. So either find the market so you can deliver it or word it and market it in a way that meets the market's needs. Because sometimes you have a great product that's just not worded in a way where they get it. So mm. make sure you have communications where people, it meets their needs. Because sometimes they don't even know what they, they don't know what your product will do. And if you word it in such a way and they can see how they can meet their needs, they'll buy it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I've just... It's been wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to have you on the show again. Would you love to come back? I'd love to. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, next week, we will have Dr. Michael Gross coming on. He's an author, a speaker, a coach, and a healer. And he is connected to God. So when he does his programs, you can ask him questions about where you're going or what might be a good idea for where you might want to go. So I hope you'll be with us next Thursday so that we can chat with Dr. Michael Gross together and have a really, really wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on the Ascended Masters at Work show with spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. We hope you found our message enlightening in a way that will change your everyday interactions in work and play. Share the love. Pass on our web address, ascendedmastersatwork.com, and if you have a great story to share, we'd love to have you on the show. This has been a Massive Visibility Media Production. Join us next week for the Ascended Masters at Work show. And while remembering the words of the late Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. We say Namaste.